Kia ora and welcome to another episode of Power Up, a podcast powered by Venture Taranaki and produced by Raw Collective. Here we celebrate the region's entrepreneurs with their trailblazing spirit and their can-do attitude. Taranaki innovators are leaving their mark on the world, but living the famous Taranaki lifestyle. I'm your host, David Downs. Taranaki is a region where the unique natural and business environments collide to create a place where people can flourish and achieve their full potential. No mai, haere mai, we welcome you to hear our enterprising future like no other. Today's guests are the co-founders of software and AI company Yonder HQ, James Donald and Leticia Stevenson. Yonder is the only chat and AI chatbot designed from the ground up specifically for tourism businesses. James and Leticia founded the company in 2017 and have grown it to become a tool for tourism companies to improve their websites to help online visitors become visitors in real life. James and Leticia are warm and interesting with a remarkable story about how they came from James's oil and gas career and Leticia's anthropology studies to careers in AI and marketing automation. They talk about their business journey together, overcoming the challenges of COVID and how they stay ahead in the game by providing a highly specialised product in an industry they previously had very little experience in. The Yonder story is proof that attention to detail and commitment to quality can help you succeed in any endeavour. Throw in no small amount of innovative flair and a willingness to take a risk, and this is an enlightening and interesting discussion about making a nationwide business work from Taranaki. So welcome both of you. Where have you come from today? New Plymouth. Yeah, I just live outside of New Plymouth in Inglewood. Good. Are you both from Taranaki originally? I no. am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. You look like you're not from around these parts. Or no, whatever. and I, sometimes I'd maybe not speak the same way they do here. So they say, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, uh, New Zealand. There's certain facts that if you don't know that you stand out, like, you know, beaches, back beach, and you go, where's that? Oh, you're clearly not one of us. <laughs> what exactly. about you, Leticia? You were born here then, were you? Yes. Raised in just out of Inglewood. Went away for quite a while and then ended up back here with my family. Oh, nice. What brought you back? Family. I always got sick when I had my little one overseas yeah. and didn't have any family to support us. So we yeah. were like, oh, let's come home. Wow. Where were you at the time? Uh, we were in Manchester. Right. In the UK. It's also miserable and horrible there, but apart from that. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Good music. I do like that. We did have a white Christmas over there at one stage, which yeah, was oh, quite nice. That's nice. You're not no in danger of having one of those here. No. And James, you worked overseas for Shell for a long time. Yes. As soon as I got finished university, I just wanted to get off this little island because yeah. I, when I grew up, I hadn't experienced much of overseas. And during uni, I did one of these work USA things. I was a ski bum. Nice. I thought that's that's kind of fun. So I tried to basically find a job that would get me out overseas. Right. So rather than be a <laughs> uh, unpaid uh, right. like traveling backpacker, backpacker doing an OE. I'd rather get paid for work. Clever so move. Have, so you went into the oil and fun, gas yeah. industry. Where do they send you? That's the trouble. They send you all sorts of weird places. Yeah, that's a good question because I left New Zealand middle of January and arrived in Norway what, <laughs> two days later because of the amount of travelling. So it was like got light at 10 a.m., dark oh. at 2. Right. But ski fields were floodlit until 10 p.m. and just a little subway right away. It was awesome. Fabulous. But you came back in 2015. Yeah, yeah I did. so we had a little bub by then, one and a half years old, and it was also another low oil price. Yeah. And so it was quite difficult finding other jobs in the shell world. Yeah. Um, we were this close to going to China. Wow. And suddenly, 
up came two jobs in New Plymouth for both my wife and I. We're both working for Shell at the same Fantastic. time. So we thought, oh, let's just do that. I just want to be completely unambiguous for the listeners. You two are not a couple. <laughs> no, but thank you for clearing I it up. I just want to say, I mean, you would make a lovely couple, don't get me wrong, it's just, but I just know you're not a couple. Yes, but lots of people assume that yeah. or ask. I wonder whether they do that because there's a little known fact that, what, 2% of founders are female? Right. And so they must think, oh, they must be together if they're founding a business. Right. Yeah, interesting. But no, you founded a business together. How did you come across that opportunity? Uh, we met at a startup weekend, a Nucky startup weekend. James stood up and pitched an idea that yep. resonated with me. So jumped on his team, but I hadn't met him previously. Wow. So that weekend. Some random. Yeah, it was very wow. much so. You know what they say, the person with the vision is not the, this weird one, it's the person that follows them. That's the, the very strange. <laughs> He's just some loony guy. You're the person who actually joined up. Yeah, and keeps following, yeah. <laughs> and what, So what happened to that? Did that become Yonder or was that something else? It became our first business together, which was called Leap Booking, right? which was an online travel agency. Yeah. Yeah, so that came out of the startup weekend. So I just want to point out that you're an oil engineer and uh, you're background a background in teaching. Teaching. So neither of you got any real experience in this whole industry, or do you? No, but no. we've travelled a lot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Which, in hindsight, being on a plane, I reckon I could build one. Yeah. That was a crazy idea to go in this industry. Oh, yeah, but, know nothing about, or you assume you know. And, yeah. But there's so many that's nuances even worse, that isn't you that's learn even worse. over time. And most co-founders, they either have a great idea together and they want to start off a business. Or they get to know each other and they want to start something. But you, you didn't necessarily have either of those two things. No. No. Or we I'm kind of went the start. By the way. No, no. We kind of went to start at weekends. We thought we had a great hoping idea. Hoping to achieve both those things at the <laughs> yeah. same time. So what, what were the roles that you set up when you did start up? What sort of roles did you fall into? Did you ever um, CEO, I you on the product, product yep. side and the teachers on the sales side. Yeah. Right. I just got out and started talking to operators. Just hustling and yep. seeing if you could find some customers out there and- Yep. Tell us about that. What's that like when you're selling something you don't haven't built yet and you don't <laughs> even know what it is to people that you don't understand or know? Well, the first business we had, we weren't technically selling them anything. We were just wanting them to list on our platform. But it basically comes down to relationships, building relationships with people, which yeah. everything comes down to. So, yeah. yeah, just got to know these all the operators out there. and Weird wireframes. So yeah, we go and so show them the wireframes and they go, oh, that looks Ooh, nice. Like one of those. <laughs> yeah. But we right. didn't actually have a product at the time. I was just selling them a concept yeah or, and we were getting what letters of intent or something like that yeah. and then once we got a certain number of customers i think we set 15 we'd build it mm. we'd start building it yeah did you get the 15 in the end you did yep. oh easy Clearly, yeah. and because it was so easy we thought oh this this is gonna be good yeah but being a flat platform we kind of missed the other side of the equation which is the people who are paying <laughs> and bringing customers to it yeah so um we sort of worked out very quickly to that. That was a part of the business that wasn't working at all. Right. That bit of the business model. The pretty essential bit that brings yep. in money. Yeah. Right. And the other thing we learned is do not trust your friends. Friends. <laughs> Lie. Because Lie. they'll say, oh, I love that. I would definitely yep. buy one of those. Yeah. Oh, definitely man, we use learned you. so much. Yeah. Tell us about that. What did you learn? Marketing. So we actually underestimated the cost and difficulty to acquire those sort of end users of people who are actually really paying. Um, so we got the business model right for the supply side. We claimed that we had the largest number of products in the New Zealand yeah, we did at the time, yeah. website at the time, yeah, which is pretty cool. So it was a directory of tourism directory, was it? And you can book, and our business model was commission on right. bookings. Right. Take a clip. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is yep. it still going today? No. 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 You so that pivoted. was probably the that was one of the lessons we learnt was that 
when we had to make that decision to close it. Yeah. It was pretty hard after putting, what, a year? Yeah, and some decent it. coin and yeah, yeah, you invested it. money yep. and time, yeah, yeah, yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, being an engineer, you mentioned engineer in oil and gas. There's no marketing department. Like people just buy the stuff. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> they to need it, differentiate it. petrol, isn't it? Yeah, and so I personally didn't have a huge appreciation of what was needed to market it. And probably around the time there was all this stuff in the tech ecosphere about product-led marketing, like right. have a great product and people will come. Yeah. That's rubbish. Yeah, that's definitely a myth <laughs> um, that should not be. And I think even <laughs> more so, like the proliferation, how easy it is to start up businesses or just build something. Yeah, there's so much more than just having a good product. Yeah, that's potentially. I mean, it's one of the best things about New Zealand is it's very easy to start up a business, but it's also one of the challenges, isn't it? Because everyone yep. thinks they can start up a business. Starting up a successful business, harder. Growing it. Right, growing it yep. from idea. Yep. So anyway, you got onto the next product, well, next company. Or well, next that thing. gave us the insight to actually where the real problems were. Yeah. Um, because we were in the intersection between the customer, well, the end user, the traveller, yeah. and the business, we saw the problem and then the interactions between them. Right. It was actually as soon as we put a little chat tool up on the website, suddenly all these customers are asking us all these questions that we didn't have knowledge about. But the businesses weren't picking up their phones to answer the questions about, so they were sort of coming to us because they just needed help. They wanted things now. So that sounded like it started as a real pain for you guys, and then you must have thought, And oh, then we turned that pain, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. into a solution. Opportunity. Yeah, because then we turned into a this AI chatbot thing because we saw across all these businesses we had, I think we had 60, 80 businesses yeah. on it. We're like, actually, all these questions we're getting, they're all pretty similar. Right. When can I book? What time do you open? Yeah. How much yeah. does it cost? yeah. yeah. <laughs> we then looked for the solution to that problem. And was there one? Yeah, that's yep. where this AI chatbot, with a, we built a conversational framework, all the data that makes this AI stuff work. Yeah, We built a template for all these similar types of businesses, and that was the gold, is all the data, because all these businesses didn't have enough on their own to build a something that big companies are paying $50,000, $100,000 for. Right. They didn't have enough data to even deliver that or even afford it, so we built a template to apply to many at a lower price point. Right. Sounds so great. So you stumbled across this opportunity. You yep. spun out and that became Yonder. Yep. Yeah. So right. we actually, before we built it though, we actually went out and found some trialists. Oh, like, we? So we did it a lot wiser this time. We'd learned from the first time. A lot wiser. Time. Oh, man. Uh, went and got some customers to start with to trial it, built it up, got that proof that it worked and was able to do it a lot smarter. Right. Well, we so followed around. the textbook then. <laughs> Right. So we did letters of intent, like we had upfront discussions of how much it's going to cost and as sort of early adopter customers and they would have a three-month trial period with no cost. But then once it's working, they're going to pay this. So it's like a freemium model. Down, down, it, they right? even signed it. No, it wasn't. Not freemium, no. just more like an onboarding. It was just a trialist that were just early adopters for us. Very good. And we chose sort of three different types of customers. So we looked at what do we need to prove to make this work. We found three quite different businesses. Yeah. We went in with quite clear validation criteria or things we're trying to test. Right. And, and it worked. worked. It worked. Yeah, it awesome. clicked. Yeah, and it worked and really now well. you've got this product offering. Tell us about the business today. Where are you at now? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we started selling the Yonder AI chatbots up till March this year. This oh, yeah. is our core product. Nothing important happened in March this year. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So until then, we'd been growing as expected. We had, we've got basically over 50 plus customers now and we had them in New Zealand and the Pacific yeah. going into the end of the summer or last summer. 
and then COVID hit. And all pretty so, top businesses, yeah. like all winners of tourism awards and that sort of stuff. So all that sort of yeah, early yeah, adopter, right. early majority. Was going well. And then, that, and then that majority started to pick up interest because we had great case studies proving all the outcomes and we were fine-tuning the model to make it more scalable. And then and along comes just COVID working. and your customer but, base is slammed. Oh, we had some really sad conversations yeah. on the phone. One of the things that I'm really proud of us, our relationship with our customers. So we've managed to maintain all our customers over the COVID period, except for the ones that have had to actually shut their doors permanently, wow. which I'm really proud of. And we've That's supported amazing. them as much as we can in those first few months and on like afterwards now. But yeah, it, it did change for them and it's changed the landscape completely for New Zealand and the rest of the world. Yeah. And it's not going to change anytime soon. In some ways though, that creates an opportunity again for you there, doesn't it? Because now they've got need for automation. <laughs> we had to see it as an opportunity yeah. otherwise. Yeah, yeah. We would have just crawled into bed and cried. <laughs> <laughs> There's a need, but they don't necessarily have the budget. Yeah. Right. So actually that's when we relooked because our product is on the it would have been one of the more expensive things that they were subscribing to. Right. Which meant it only appealed to a certain niche of business. We looked at that, that that niche has got a smaller budget, as well as, well, actually, there's all these other people who have got this big problem. How can we best help right. this a larger number of businesses, a bigger segment? And so we actually went back to the drawing board, asked our customers a lot of questions, also yeah. asked, looked at outside of tourism as well. And then we have actually built a whole new product adjacent to uh, the chatbot because we didn't want to camelize that at all because yeah, it gets great outcomes and all our businesses stay with us. And we actually did a case study. Why do you keep using Yonder? Oh. And they said, well, actually, the value proposition hasn't changed at all. Helps us do more with less. So the whole new thing we're about now is um, understanding your customer and turning all that customer love into more online reviews because we know how influential online reviews are to people's purchasing decisions. Yeah. If there isn't some customer love, why and what can you do to actually improve it? Oh, okay. So it's looking at every single – and now by doing that sort of during the experience and after their experience, we now complete the whole journey of that customer from learning about the business, coming to their websites, and then going right through to booking and then doing the experience and then afterwards – so we can now build a 360-degree view of the customer to help them just be better. Wow. For someone who never did marketing, you say, <laughs> use a lot of marketing words in there. But anyway, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you've really managed to turn some, you know, this adversity into something useful. It's more just taking what we already had and what we knew the businesses needed and then listening to your customers and then building something that was going to help them yeah. to get over the next sort of 18 months, two years. And that is going to help a broader range of businesses than probably what our niche product was previously. That's great. But you needed to potentially have done that niche product to understand that, to be yes. able to get some of the infrastructure in yep, place. Definitely. And to get the most, like we've got amazing customers, as James has said, so that just being able to use those to um, bounce ideas off and, and grow the product has really helped it to become I'd like to think it's customer-centric from our perspective in yeah. terms of it really helps our customers. Yeah. And the other big thing we learned in the last year or year and a half was um, sales and sales channels. And so the more we've been doing this, the more we saw how we need to just do some tweaks of the business to enhance that by scalability and then ability to actually deliver through channel partners, not just going direct. Right because uh, tourism businesses notoriously sort of keep their head down on doing what they're doing yeah, yeah. and not actually looking up so much at 
Well, most people that set up tourism businesses are doing it because they probably like the lifestyle of yep. running a tourism business, not because they want to sit doing admin. So there's quite a few yeah, lifestyle businesses, yeah. but then there's also, they just don't have the time to mm. do a lot of it. And they use marketers, marketing agencies a lot, which is great because they know their job really well. Yeah, so they rely on those people to advise them on the technology and they're not necessarily looking themselves for things. So we we knew we needed to adapt the product a bit to make that all sort of work and be more appealing. And so we had seen these problems and we're looking at how do we sort of adapt our current chatbot product to do that. But then when COVID happened, it just forced us to actually look way deeper in the business. And we've actually gone with this whole adjacent product to help achieve that. Wow. Yeah. And turn the AI chatbot into more of a premium add-on to our core product. And so Everything you've talked about, you've talked about adversity and challenge, but then turning that into opportunity, which is <laughs> remarkable. And yeah, we've admirable. done that a couple of times now. You've done, you've had, so there might be more to come. How do you build that resilience? How are you going to pick yourselves back up again? Uh, it helps having two founders, definitely. I don't oh, know. Yeah, yes. It wouldn't have worked. Oh, I don't know how they do it when there's only one of them. If I'm having a rubbish day, then usually James is all right. And if he's having yeah. a rubbish day, I'm usually all right. Yeah, so. yeah it's pretty reliable about that, yeah. Yeah, it helps. Solid partners like your husband and my wife, yep. uh, who are just always there and supporting. And I'm also going to say it took me a while to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> getting better at it. But yeah, it was actually another founder that who'd been in the business for 15 more years or so, and I asked him that question: "How do you be so res- resilient?" And that was his answer: "You just learn to be. You learn to put with up it. with it. Yeah, it's not resilience; it's just resignation." <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkable what you what you're achieving. Do you, are you keeping going? I mean, is this business going to grow? Yeah, so we've actually probably enlarged yes. our team. Yeah. Um, in the last three months. Yeah, we're we're growing. throwing it all at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we want to be. You know, there's a global pandemic. Okay? Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> no, but this actually kind of positioned us well for it. New Zealand is ahead of the curve, and also we're talking to a, a sort of partner in Canada recently, and he was actually quite positive about the economy and the state of things in Canada, well, Australia until a day or two ago in Sydney, <laughs> yeah. but was also doing all right. So we actually see we just need to build up the case studies and, and the business around what's around us now, yeah. which positions us for just that scaling part once the, the rest of the world picks up. Because there's plenty of businesses and market in New Zealand, Australia, yeah. even Canada. And that's also part of our sort of um, sales strategy. You focus on getting traction in a market and Market can can actually be called regionally because that's sort of how they all talk together and all these networks work is all regional focused. So once you can start getting that momentum, you keep pushing that momentum yeah. until you sort of run out and then you look for another market. market grow, so yeah. for us, we actually just reached that point earlier this year for the chatbot in New Zealand. So mm-hmm. we're actually building stuff in Australia already. With this new product now, we can go back into building that in New Zealand and then focus on Australia and then yeah. Canada, US. So going back to like the tourism focus that we are, we decided oh, about August, September, I think. I think we made the call that after looking at all these other businesses, we validated a lot of other. I've related talked to segments. everyone, you name an industry, and I've talked to them. That we know tourism the best, and it's this is where the problem is the strongest wow. or the most. And so we made the call to stick in our niche of tourism, but with the idea that when we've built this software now it can be used by other industries. Oh, okay. like it, So it's adaptable outside of tourism. Yeah. And we did that on purpose. 
because we know that it's going to be really good for other service industries like hairdressers, beauticians, spas, even real estate. Dentists, physio, just businesses that provide a service, yeah. kind of the space we've defined a niche for right. ourselves. So we, we're quite comfortable that it can be used across Lawyers, lots. accountants. It's just um, at this stage, we've still got these really good relationships in tourism and we're going to keep. Yeah, reputation, thought leadership. Fantastic. Are you head of marketing? Because you're very good at it. I'm just checking you know what? That's been the thing I've been, I told you before, is my weakness. And oh, you've been working on it. You've been working on it. You've done a great job. On, so thank you. No, thank you. good. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, do you think that the tourism industry in New Zealand is, I mean, it's been pretty busy over the last few months, from what I understand, when I talk to tourism operators, not with international guests, but with local domestic tourism. Which ones have you spoken to? Oh, ah, <laughs> you're head of sales as well. You're amazing. But no, things have shifted and changed, haven't they, in New Zealand? And you've adjusted to. So there's meet some that. businesses out there that are doing amazingly well, that yeah. are the busiest they've ever been. But there are others that are struggling right. hugely that were considered some of New Zealand's biggest attractions. But when you're 90% reliant on international travellers and they're no longer coming through the borders, like yeah. the product's amazing still. Yeah. It's just that New Zealanders aren't going to it. So, yeah, there's a real mixed bag out there. I hate to say, oh, yeah, everyone's doing really good because they're no, not. not. But okay. some are doing really well, some aren't. Venture Taranaki put out, we went to a visitor networking event for the visitor industry. Yeah, Holiday parks are up 15% compared to last year. Oh. Hotels are down 30 or something. It's 30%. Quite okay, so it's the budget traveller. Attractions. Yep. Oh, it's not so <laughs> no, much. So uh, it's a mix of budget. It's the Kiwis, exactly. Not so much budget travel. It's just people go, I'm not paying 580 bucks for Our a most popular question through the chat function is, what's your deal? Or oh, what really? What deals have you got going <laughs> on? Like New Zealanders are super price conscious. <laughs> super price conscious, but they also don't just want a bog standard room because when they, they, if they're going to spend money and go and do something, yeah. they want oh, some experience. Special. They want something special, exactly. Yeah. So that's a real common theme amongst the travel that I've seen. Okay. Is, is it special? Fantastic. Um, Queenstown was down 40%. Auckland down 40%. Do you know the regions that are up? No. Taranaki. Taranaki's up 10% Gisborne. based on visitor spend. Yeah, Gisborne East Coast, uh, West Coast. Okay. And what's the common theme amongst that? It's the places that Kiwis have always wanted to visit yeah. but they haven't got around to. Uh, yeah. Because exactly. we're usually going to Bali. Yeah, it's all their bucket list things that they're doing. <laughs> I love that. Interesting, Isn't that eh? cool? I'm a prime example of that. I'm off to the East Coast over summer. Right. And, yeah, we're going because we haven't been before and you can't go to Bali. That's so right. <laughs> off we go. I'll just describe one example of, because the teacher said 90%, some businesses were 90%. So Hobbiton, um, many people know about Hobbiton, they were doing 4,000-ish people a day, and I think they're down to 400 to 800. Oh, my gosh, and, yeah. and And they've really changed the way they operate. Like they used to have a driver and a guide for each bus. Each bus would go every six minutes. Now it's just a driver guide, one yep. person, and it might be a bus every 20 minutes. But what's interesting is there's actually less crowds now, yeah, and the ratings nice. have actually gone up because the – Experience. Negative thing that came through on their ratings was, oh, it's just so busy. Yeah, but now they've been able to oh, improve their quality yeah. of experience. It's an awesome time if, as a New Zealander to get out, to get out and, and go travel. and absolutely see. I'm going to promote our businesses, but yeah, like go and see what you want to see in New Zealand because yeah. it's never going to be a better time. Fantastic. Yeah. Now you mentioned Venture Taranaki. I know you had some Callahan Innovation put some grant money in as well. I mean, you must have a bit of support along the way to grow this quite advanced system, an AI chatbot. Yeah, and I couldn't speak highly enough of mm. that support. 
support. And it ca- she came in a couple of different packages. We sort of had to prove ourselves first with, I think they still Startup. do it, the Startup Getting grant. Started yeah. grant. And that was our real first proof of concept. I'm going to teach describe these first three customers that we had as sort of pilots. We used uh, that Get Started grant to do a proof of concept around that. And it just enabled us to go after some expensive but also high-quality expertise to help us right. realize how we can yeah. achieve the goals. Because sometimes if you spend half the amount of money. You don't get half the value, you get a tenth <laughs> or less. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it um, just gave us a commitment to really go for it because we have put in the money ourselves to do this as well. Wow. So um, just help make all of that lowered further. The, lowered the pain threshold a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and go faster. I was about to say it's going faster. Yeah, so you're not, you're not investing less, you're actually just doing more, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Have you self-funded this whole thing or have you raised money? How, did, how does that work? <laughs> Good we, question. We started uh, by funding it ourselves. Right. And then we got to a certain stage and there's sort of this push towards seeking investment and it's pretty tempting to take to ask for a big amount of money, take the money and then grow this huge big business. So we did. We um, actually, Ian Frame from... Taranaki Investment Angels. I'm just trying to recollect for that's what they're still called. Yeah. Yeah, we pitched to him and he liked what we we're talking about and the value proposition and the potential for growth. And we started putting together a whole sort of investment memorandum and how we'd use money and then you also look at like market size and other proof points in the in the markets to make an assessment on your current valuation but also your potential valuation. And so we actually went on the circuits, pitching lots of sort of investors and investment communities around New Zealand to try and raise some money to uh, really grow this business rather than just right. keep scavenging, bootstrapping. <laughs> because that money really allows you to take a step up in resources instead of just like lots of different part-timers, you can get all these full-timers and just go faster. Yeah. So we went and started doing that. We raised about half of what we were asking for. Okay. But it was also just in our selling season because tourism being on such a cyclical, their customers are cyclical. That also means their attention span is cyclical as well. And it was just at the same time as we were trying to sell. And so suddenly our efforts were quite divided in selling and getting investment. So it almost raised as much money as we needed. And then one of the sort of big investors actually said, uh, no, which sort of crushed our hopes a bit. Uh, and they said, oh, we think you can only be a $10 million company rather than a $100 million company. <laughs> and then we th- sort of described the challenges of selling just before because it was bloody hard managing yeah. all of this. And we thought, is that a bad thing to be a $10 million company instead of a $100 million one? And I understand why they want it to be $100 million because that's the- If they're putting money in, if someone else's money's coming in, yeah. they want to- Try and get their return on investment because it's that's super risky for them. It's what yeah. one in ten actually give them a decent return on the investment. It's like five out of ten of flops or never get any money back. So I fully understand that perspective. And actually, some they said, "Oh, you guys have got traction. You don't actually need our money just yet." So no, we had some really good mentors come on and say to us, "Look." That sort of halt us or stop us yeah. in our tracks. Don't have the money of, too early. Yeah, and they, yeah. and they sort of actually just race, challenged yeah. us and was like, and is it okay to be a lifestyle business when they're talking $10, $20 million lifestyle business? We oh, looked at each other I and we're like, term. yeah, like we I'm hate that not term. It doesn't. Doing this for lifestyle. But there's lots of different connotations or like different ways to describe a business. And it's like, it doesn't, we didn't fit into many of those categories. Yeah. So I think it's just about having someone, yeah, we had a really good mentor that pulled us up and was just like, 
do you really need to do this? We were yeah. pulling our hair out. We were going one way. We are going the other. We were trying to make everyone happy. And in actual fact, we should have been concentrating totally on our customers. Right. Well, that's where we wanted to concentrate yeah. our efforts, but we felt pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. And the investors want to de-risk their decisions. So actually, the more, the further you can get in the business, the more proof points you've got that actually yeah. make the decision the easier for them. And yeah. so because we're in the selling season, Actually, the advice was keep selling, get the proof points at the end of summer of the value of the products and the number of customers you're acquiring and use that traction to actually come back and show investors later. Great. But we didn't go back. We didn't go back. Yeah, neither to. You said, no, actually, we're fine with the trajectory. Although I was talking now. to someone just recently about the new stuff we're doing and they said, oh, you know, you might <laughs> consider investment for that. <laughs> <laughs> you should be so lucky. But I was, just, I was listening to a Qualtrics, huge company in the U.S., they didn't take money until six years in. Yeah. And that was just really for scaling what right. they'd yeah. got. So it's also understanding where you are in the phase of developing a business. It's like just really a tiny idea. You don't even know who the customers are yet, or you've just talked to a few people. Or do you actually have some early adopter customers? Or do you actually have product market fits? Or are you just looking for money to scale? So will you maybe do it again in the future, depending on what happens post COVID? We wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. Um, if, We'd and be a lot more cautious. Is, um, yeah. <laughs> investor founder yeah. fit. It's so funny. There's product market fit, but investor founder fit. So we didn't find so many investors who really understood tourism right. and the problem that we're trying to solve. We found we had to educate them. But with the new stuff that we're doing, I think it actually um, it's a much more compelling proposition. Mm. But um, we've got the cash to... Keep, keep going. Keep going at keep the moment. On, and those on. grants um, are there to help all your money go further. Nice. So that's what we've been using. And I often say to people, like, because they always ask, people always ask if we got VC funding or whatever funding. And I sort of say, just think really carefully about what you want to do. Like, is it the road you have to go down? Because often there's pressure to go down that road where there are other ways to do, go about it. Is New Plymouth a good place to set up a business and start up something like yours? It's got its pros and cons. Um, <laughs> so I would say in general, yes, but in terms of a tourism startup, yeah. it's been probably a little bit more difficult because we've had to do a lot of pre-COVID. I was doing a lot of travel outside of the regions. Most of our operators are not in Tanaki. Yeah. So 95% having, of them? Yeah, I yeah. think we've only got two. Just because of the size of Taranaki. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Having to go out and do that and not as yeah stronger networks of tourism right. sort of things in Taranaki. But saying that, the national associations and things have been really good for us. And, yeah, New Zealand's small enough that someone knows someone that can hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been quite good. Yeah, and the other challenges are technical talents. So being a tech yeah. business, then finding devs, developed devs here yeah. in Taranaki. So we, we were actually been using independent contractors, remote working. Although more recently, we've, we've made a conscious effort to try and build up Build a little team. Little team here. Oh, good. And we've actually found some young rising stars to who um, want to get amongst it. And so, yeah, we're giving that a go because I'd really love to build the culture here. Are there other tech companies in Taranaki? Yeah, there are. Yeah. So actually, it's a great place to have a business. Fantastic. Now, we just described some of the challenges and negatives of starting a business in Taranaki. But the positive is the willingness of people here in Taranaki to actually help so just being able to call people like Dan Radcliffe, for instance, it's like, yeah, I'll meet you for a coffee, no problem. Glad to help. And so it's just really easy to meet people like that with relevant skills to just help. Yeah. 
few people have said that. And Dan's one of the um, guests on another of these podcasts. So, <laughs> you know, it's great to see this whole cluster of people and everyone's very sort of keen to see other people were successful. Yep, yes. they are very much so. They're really supportive. That's great. Yeah. What do you see as the future for Taranaki? More and more highly skilled people come because there was this big sort of void of young professionals because people would study outside of Taranaki but not come back. And I think people are realising with quality of life, I'm seeing a trend towards people coming back with either younger families or not got a family yet but want to build a family here. So that younger talent is coming in because that's one of the challenges of actually building businesses is the talent of people. That's right. That's the big fuel that you need to run a business. Yeah. And Taranaki's got a lot to offer people with young families but also young professionals, like just the lifestyle of being able to go and surf, go trekking. There's a lot to do that... We take for granted when we live here. That's right. And the quality of bars is improving. The the, 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 the ratio of breweries is certainly improving. Absolutely, which is kind of a must-have for some of the young professionals. Ticks a lot of boxes. Now, you've mentioned young families, and I I know you've got a young family, James, because they're sitting outside playing on the iPad like (laughs) a bad father. Anyway, uh, let's just see if you've got a young family. Yeah, I've got three girls. How's it running a a business when you've both got small children? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a child in the middle of all of this. Wow. I actually found it somewhat easier because I can be more flexible in the hours that I'm working to actually support and be there for the kids. And then when they're in bed, I just get mm. back to Back work. on emails. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's those late nights. But, um, yeah, I I love it. Like it allows me to go and do what I need to do with the kids at school. Um, I still do the pickups, drop-offs, but I'll work in between. They might moan a little bit when mum answers her phone. <laughs> You've got no, to put on them work voice, kids. Yeah, Shush, in yeah, the background, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, it, to and be it's fair, really hard switching. Like, well, I, I find it really hard. Kids are in front of you, but then work stuff's there as well, and just still being mentally there. That's yeah, really hard for me. That is tough. Um, I think some of the conversations I've had with my three girls is um, that mum doesn't. I don't go to a place of work. Like I work from home. Yeah, and I've got my own business, and it's something that's not. Or they don't see a lot of that. Otherwise, so it's about teach. I, like, I find it quite empowering for them to show that mum doesn't need to go and work somewhere else, that she can work for herself and that I can fit in everything else around it. That's good. You're role modelling a whole other way of yeah, working. Yeah, that's what I try and tell myself anyway. That's good. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so you justify the fact that, shh, kids, I need to use my grown-up voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. that's great though. I just love the flexibility because I can just be there for the kids when, yeah. when I want to be there. I went overseas to Europe with them for... Six weeks. Six weeks. Working trip. Yeah, working trip. Nice. Yeah. Well, you can take them out on the tourism well, they, they, well, when they were younger, they'd napped. So it was a great time to get some work done. Fantastic. Gosh. And then enjoy it when they're awake. Don't get us wrong. It's really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like we're making it sound really nice, but it is hard and you do have to juggle it. Yeah. But again, it goes back to having good partners yeah. that support you. Do you end up having a sort of a crash in the, in the office sometimes in the corner <laughs> while the kids are there playing together? It's been done. Yeah, 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 yeah a few yeah. times. Excellent. And um, what would you say to someone else who wants to set up a business in Taranaki? What advice would you give to them today if they called you up like you call other people up? Make sure you've got a co-founder to share the, not just the pain, you, you described that earlier, but also <laughs> the, the uh, diversity of thought and ideas. Yeah. Probably having a co-founder that's not the same as you. Yeah. Like me and James are quite different. It means that we challenge each other quite often. It's not really that much different from starting anywhere else. Yeah. Like there's no there's nothing special about why uh, starting something in Taranaki versus 
somewhere else in New Zealand. Easy to do. I would tell them to talk well, it's to people. not easy. All the challenges of starting a business are still there. Yeah. Talk to Venture Dunnucky. They're really good. Very good. And do it. Don't just sit on it. Don't idea. just sit on it. That's or be too scared to tell anyone about it because you think they're going to steal it. Go to startup weekends and meet other weird people. Oh, yeah. That's a really interesting point. Don't be afraid to talk to people in case you're worried about them stealing it. Because execution is like 90% of doing it. Someone could take one idea and execute it completely different or just not even execute it well. One of the biggest issues of starting a business is that validation of what you're doing. So you have to talk to lots of people. Yeah. It has to be the right people and the right questions. We didn't quite get that right in our first one. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you nearly got there. All right, um, we're nearly finished, but I've got a few quick questions, quick fire questions to finish Ooh. this off. Okay, 10 questions, quick fire, rapid responses. What's the best place to get an ice cream in New Plymouth or Taranaki? The purple dairy driving into Inglewood when you come in from Stratford. Okay, cool. Give it a name. Give them a plug. Purple dairy. I don't know. I don't it's know pretty, the name. Uh, but they make the most amazing big ice creams. Okay. I'll head to the purple dairy. And I, Hassling, you've heard the name. I can't even remember the name. It's a place, it used to be Creamy Joe's, but they've ah. just uh, renamed State Pasta. Is it called State Ice Creams? Oh, okay. I can't remember. Creamy Joe's is a great name. Should have kept that name. Best surf spot. James, you look like a surfer. Yeah, people say that, but I don't. No, no? I don't surf either. Don't so. surf. Where do, where do the cool kids go? Do you know? Did anyone told you? My wife enjoys the surf. She goes out at East End. Okay. Because the waves are not too big. They're just right. Nice. Goldilocks waves. Best late night location. You both got small children. You don't know. Hooker Park. Oh. Best lunchtime activity. Running. Yeah, run. Do you I was going to also say not lunch together. down no. at the beach. Sometimes we're just nice day. Head to the beach. Head to the beach. Because it's only just a tumble down the road. Speaking of which, best beach. Back beach. James. They're all good depending on the wind direction. Oh, look at you. I thought you were being far too diplomatic there. <laughs> no, because right. no, go- of the wind or the wind. If you were going up the mountain, which side would you go? North side, Stratford side, Rangers? Uh, North Egmont. North Egmont. Yeah, okay, good. That was clear. Favourite summit or peak? Paratudu. There's only one peak. Ah, oh, there's only one. The big one, yeah. I haven't been up there yet. I've been up there a sunrise hike. Which is pretty special if you haven't done that before. That sounds good. Good tourism activity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you recommend? Are there any tourism operators? Uh, Not for the faint hearted. Uh, yeah, well, and the difficulty is it's like 50 50 whether you can get up because of the clouds yeah. coming in. Yeah. 50 50. You're joking. 90 10 that there's going to be clouds. <laughs> uh, best annual event? Garden Festival. Festival of Lights. Good. That's like so many choices. What's one myth you would bust about Taranaki? What's one thing that annoys you when people say it? That we're all farmers. And okay, finally, what's one word you would use to sum up Taranaki? Family. Oh, I've got two words. Okay, you can have two. Got everything. Got everything. Family, got everything. Beautiful. Great way to finish. Thank you so much, both of you. Good luck with the next phases for Yonder. Catch you next time. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thanks to Venture Taranaki for making this all happen. I'm sure some of you listening will be guests on this show one day. So if that is you and you have a great idea, make sure you check out Venture Taranaki's Power Up website and get in touch with one of the team. No matter where you're at on your enterprise journey, Venture Taranaki is able to support you and help you power up your idea, your existing enterprise, or your startup. They offer awesome services such as one-on-one startup clinics, mentoring, workshops, business and investment advisor support. This podcast has been proudly produced in Taranaki by Raw Collective. 
And lastly, please review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Kakite.